0: The Miracles of Jesus Miracles of Healing Ministering to the One by Elder William K. Jackson of the Seventy What can we learn from Jesus' healing of the woman with an issue of blood and the woman who could not lift herself up? Some of the more exciting and awe-inspiring events in the life of Jesus of Nazareth involved the many miracles that He performed. His miraculous works came in all shapes, sizes, and circumstances. They always bolstered faith in believing hearts and blessed the lives of real people. Because of their amazing results, these miracles, described in various biblical translations as signs, wonders, powers, and mighty works, had the potential to heighten and magnify the spiritual effect of Christ's teachings. They imbued his ministry with something astonishing and often indisputable. They lent credibility to his labors but the intent of the miracles of Jesus went far beyond simply drawing attention and amazing the people, though they certainly accomplished that. The Christ was not a showman, nor was he out to make a name for himself. We never read of him sending out advertisements in advance, booking a court at the temple, or putting on garish displays of power. On the contrary, his miracles had a much more exalted purpose. He only did the will of the Father. Healing a Woman Having an Issue of Blood As a physician, I have often been interested in accounts of the Savior's healings. One such miracle occurred as part of the amazing story of the woman with the issue of blood. Hers was a sad story. For twelve years she had suffered with this malady and its many consequences. Despite spending all of her time and talents and shekels to find a cure, the physicians of her day had come up empty. It is possible that she suffered from menorrhagia, a gynecological condition marked by abnormally heavy and prolonged menstrual bleeding. This has many possible causes, including hormone imbalances, blood clotting problems like von Willebrand disease, low platelets, abnormal uterine anatomy, and cancer, and is often accompanied by significant pain and cramping. After 12 years of heavy bleeding, this unfortunate woman would have also likely been experiencing weakness, fatigue, and anemia. But her physical discomfort was only half of the problem. By law, the bleeding would have categorized her as unclean, meaning she would have been forced to live apart from others while she was so afflicted. It's likely this meant being apart from her husband or children if she had them. She would have been unable to be with them or care for them Further restrictions would have kept her from temple worship or visiting the synagogue. In addition, anyone whom she touched or who touched her would also be pronounced unclean. Despite these legal and social obstacles, this woman of faith approached the Savior, likely from behind and in the midst of a thick crowd, with the sincere hope that even just touching his clothing would help her to achieve the desire of her heart. The scripture informs us that, upon touching Jesus' garment, she felt an immediate change in her body, a tingle or surge of power that witnessed to her that she was at long last whole. Perhaps due to the prohibitive state of her former condition, she tried to slip away in secret. But the omniscient Christ knew of her touch and of her heart and purpose. Speaking for the benefit of those around him, he asked, Who touched me? Then added, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue, power, is gone out of me. This good woman, to her credit, came forward and confessed, pleading her case and sharing the news of her cure. The unclean touching of another would have been considered more than a trivial offense, but with what I imagine was immense love in his heart, Jesus comforted the woman, assuring her that all was well that her faith had made her whole, and that she could depart in peace, free of her former plague. All around were astonished. This incident occurred while Jesus, his disciples, and a ruler of the local synagogue named Jairus, this good woman, to her credit, came forward and confessed, pleading her case and sharing the news of her cure. The unclean touching of another would have been considered more than a trivial offence, but with what I imagine was immense love in his heart. Jesus comforted the woman, assuring her that all was well, that her faith had made her whole, and that she could depart in peace, free of her former plague. All around were astonished. This incident occurred while Jesus, his disciples, and a ruler of the local synagogue named Jairus were rushing to the latter's home to see to his terminally ill daughter. They were on the clock and pressed for time. The girl was, after all, at the point of death. And yet the Saviour took the time to minister to the One, to a soul in need. What a lesson in ministering. The delay, as you will recall, resulted in their arriving late to the home of Jairus, after his precious daughter had passed away. The delay only served to make the girl's subsequent healing all the more remarkable healing a woman who could in no wise lift up herself. Another extraordinary event in the Saviour's ministry involved a second daughter of Abraham with a long-standing affliction. We are grateful for Luke's recording of this incident, he being a physician and disciple of Christ. One Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching an undoubtedly large congregation in a synagogue. In the crowd was a woman stricken with a miserable condition for eighteen years, that caused her body to be uncomfortably bent over so that she was unable to straighten her torso. A number of conditions can cause such an infirmity. Several of them would have been present from birth and so are less likely in this scenario since the victim is a grown woman. Others, depending on where the spinal deformity or limitation was located, could have made her a victim of severe arthritis, traumatic back injury, ankylosis spondylitis, Scheumerin's disease or advanced osteoporosis. These conditions would all be painful and debilitating. Try bending over to 90 degrees for any length of time. It is exhausting and eventually agonizing. Unsolicited, the Saviour noticed this suffering woman. As he had done following the healing of the woman with the issue of blood, he stopped what he was doing, put the rest of the multitude on hold, and ministered to the one. Calling her forward and laying his hands upon her, he pronounced, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. The result of his words was immediate. She stood upright, and we can assume pain-free, for the first time in nearly two decades. She, and likely many others present, glorified God and gave thanks. On the other hand, the ruler of the synagogue was offended by this work done on the Sabbath. For the benefit of the rabbi and others like him, Jesus launched into a sermon for the ages about the Sabbath day. The preceding miracle had provided the perfect segue. Why miracles? Through these and other instances, I have observed that Christ's miracles were always a means to bless, supplied proof of his love and affection for his brothers and sisters. They were confirmation of the importance of the One to the Saviour. When he ministered to people, he seldom multitasked. Rather, he gave them his full and undivided attention, provided a lesson that the worth of souls is great. He was well aware of every creature, their circumstances, and their needs, demonstrated his power and mastery over the very elements in a way that is not currently understood. He followed universal laws, and all matter was subject to him occurred often preliminary to great teaching moments, setting the stage for his expounding on sacred gospel truths. They drew attention to what was about to happen, served as a witness to those personally affected, as well as to observers that Jesus was the promised Messiah of prophecy and that he was there on his Father's business. Revealed that both physical and spiritual healing come through the power that Christ willfully exercises, not by, Magical objects are talismans, and that these miracles, as in the case of the woman with the issue of blood, can sometimes be brought forth by the faith of the petitioner. Despite the fact that miracles have not always been indisputable evidence of heaven's handiwork, his miracles are always works of righteousness and compassion. They always bless, and they include the most extraordinary miracle of all, one of universal and infinite import, accomplished in in Gethsemane, at Golgotha, and in the tomb. This miracle ensures that one day every physical and spiritual ailment can be healed and overcome. His miracles incorporate a divine and exalted purpose and are of great worth to the pure in heart and the believing, both in days long past and today. They testify that He is indeed the Christ. And stay tuned. President Russell M. Nelson has advised us to keep seeking and expecting miracles as he prophesied that the greatest manifestations of the Savior's power are yet to come in the years ahead.